Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Pop Law Podcast. I'm your host, Desiree, and I'm still not your attorney. Pop Law Podcast is presented to you by Revolt Podcast Network. Pop Law is back with a new sound, same show, and all things pop culture and law. On this episode, I am sitting down with one of the baddest women in sports, Desiree Lasassier. Join us, Desirees, as we tackle the Brett Favre welfare fraud case, Brittany Griner's imprisonment, and the disparities in athlete media coverage. Everybody, please welcome Desiree Lasassier. Welcome, Desiree. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So the name Desiree means the woman to be desired. Exactly. There's no exceptions here. Exactly, girl. All Desirees I know are super beautiful. And here we are. Here we are. Live an example. <laughs> so before we get into the topic, let me tell everybody a little bit about you. Desiree is the Director of Business Development at Magic Johnson Enterprises, the company that ignited your path in sports and entertainment. Absolutely. She is responsible for managing and directing the corporation's new business strategy, development, and strategic partnership. Desiree previously had roles with the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Los Angeles Dodgers, where she created various initiatives and programs, individual player management, and significant corporate partnerships. Hailing from Inglewood, California. Yes, baby. Desiree's notable reputation as a successful and innovative business mind was established on both the business and team operation side of sports. And you graduated from Loyola Marymount. Yes, homegrown native. Okay, LA all LA around. LA all like, day. Or Inglewood. Inglewood. <laughs> all, <Yes>. right. <laughs> all right. So let's get into some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Caramel or caramel? Oh, caramel. Hot or cold? Hot. Desi or Des? I prefer Desi, but lately everybody has been calling me Des. It's like my sports nickname is Des. Okay. The family is Desi. So my family call me Desi or Des, but they don't like when anybody outside of the family calls me Same. either one. Same. It's like you don't know me like that. Exactly. <laughs> All right. This gets a little bit harder. Okay. Lakers or Dodgers? Oh, girl. <laughs> I'm going to send the Lakers some good vibes right now. You got the so, Lakers chain yes. on? Yes. Oh, because I worked hard for this championship now. Okay. I wasn't on the court, but I did a lot of things off of the court. So Amen. I contributed. So, yes, I have my ice on if you want to Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I'll go Lakers. Okay. Why Lakers? The Lakers need the love right now. Okay. So I'm giving the Lakers all the love, all the good energy, all the good vibes. I mean, they did lose to my Warriors. So, uh, it's okay. Yeah. We don't have to talk about that. <laughs> but let me tell y'all why I asked Lakers or Dodgers, because you first started working at the Dodgers before the Lakers, correct? Yes, yes. And tell us a little bit about your experience at the Dodgers. So sports is a very broad category, but baseball and, diff- and basketball are so completely different. Mm-hmm. So my experiences at the Dodgers versus the Lakers are just like, completely separate, completely different. Um, People often ask me like which I prefer more and it's just, it's hard, it's a hard question to answer because again, it's just two different worlds. Um, And so 
at the Dodgers, I grew up in a baseball family, okay. so it very much felt like home. I understood the game. Uh-huh. You know, people tend to think that baseball is a little bit more boring, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I feel the opposite, uh, just growing up in the sport, and it's just an exciting, energetic place to be at. Yeah. It's more enjoyable while you're, you know, if you're actually at a game, Yeah. so it's a, a whole different family experience. Um, And so I really just enjoyed my time there and the things that I was able to do and accomplish there with the organization. I came in with the new ownership group, so it was like a clean slate. Mm -hmm. uh, And they had a a new vision for us to implement. So I really got the opportunity to lay a a really good foundation and infrastructure while I was there. So That's amazing. And what I recently learned from you, you are back at Magic Johnson Enterprises and he's a minority shareholder in the Dodgers. So it's like full circle. It's totally full circle. Yeah. Totally full circle. So my, he is responsible, I like to say, for my sports career. It was through him that I was able to take this journey through sports that I have been able to do. So, um, and it's accredited to, you know, him pouring back into the community, becoming a minority, um, shareholder of the Dodgers and uh, same thing with the Lakers. He went on to be president of basketball operations for the Lakers and also extended that opportunity to me. And that's how I was able to join that team too. So, and now I'm back at the Magic Johnson Magic Enterprise. Johnson, right. So it really, really did. I did take a lap through sports and, and landed right back with them. So I'm just happy to hear of successful black people giving back and paving the way for other black people, whether it's men or women, but bringing us along for the ride. Absolutely. And, yeah. and that's what it's all about. And that's why I just enjoy working for him and with him because I'm passionate about those same things too. Yeah. So it's an opportunity to learn from him and to be able to pour back in in the ways that I'm able to. I'm excited to yeah. hear it. So Thank our you. last rapid fire question, this one might be hard or a little bit controversial. Oh, so you, you already asked me the hard one, so now I'm nervous. <laughs> Russell Westbrook or LeBron James? In regards to what? You gotta answer the question. I can't oh, give you anything else. My gosh. Anthony Davis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm not gonna dig on that any further. <laughs> so let's get into the facts of this case. So to frame the episode's discussion about Brett Favre's alleged welfare fraud case and Brittany Griner's unfair imprisonment in Russia, we must acknowledge that both cases directly impact black people. Absolutely. So Brett Favre is a former football player is one of the defendants in a $20 million welfare fraud suit in Mississippi for allegedly misappropriating welfare funds. He apparently got $5 million and he used those funds to build a sports facility. While there is no outcome of the case, Brett Favre has released a public statement saying he had no idea where the funds have come from, but there are text messages where he is saying, I don't know if this is legal or not, but you should go get some of this money too. Mm -hmm. The problem is that welfare funds are typically for poor communities and poor people. And in Mississippi, it is majority black population, Hispanic population Mm -hmm. who actually need those funds. Another controversy that we're talking about around an athlete, black woman, Brittany Griner, WNBA player, and she is jailed and sentenced to nine years in Russian prison. And it's so unfortunate. I hate thinking and talking about it, but we must shed light on this. Um, she had a marijuana cartridge in her luggage. And so she was stopped for that. 
And some people question why she was even in Russia in the first place. Mm -hmm. She was there to play for a Russian basketball team during the WNBA offseason. Brittany and her legal team have appealed her conviction multiple times to no avail, and apparently U.S. negotiations to get her released are not going well. The unfortunate reality is that others face similar crimes in Russia that Brittany did, and they only paid a fine and Mm -hmm. weren't jailed and sentenced to what she is. So the first issue here is that none of these cases are getting as much media attention as they both deserve, both issues directly impact black people. Brittany is a black woman unjustly detained in a foreign prison and Brett Favre, a white man who allegedly embezzled welfare funds, again, directly impact poor and low income communities and people are not really talking about it. The second issue here is that there is bias in athlete media coverage. Absolutely. Many people believe that only crimes and bad behavior come from black Mm -hmm. athletes. And I'm sure we can all attest and know that that is not true. Absolutely not. (laughs) And the third issue here is that stories surrounding athletes like Brett Favre or Chad Willard tend to fly under the radar. Now, do you know about the chat? I don't. I'm not familiar with that one. He is another white football player who essentially beat his black girlfriend ass and it barely got media coverage. She got a couple of interviews. Nobody talked about it. And I believe he went on to play without any Mm, recourse or repercussions. Mm. So stay tuned for the pop law breakdown on this episode where we will discuss the crimes of fraud and embezzlement. Now, Desiree, let's get into some of these questions and discussion about our athletes. So what was your first reaction when you heard about the Brett Favre incident? My first reaction, I was saddened um, because personally, I was a recipient of welfare at one point. I was a teen mom, I have two sons. And it was a means for my survival at the time. And so I know how much those funds are needed for people. You know, there are people in need that need those resources and that's what those dollars are allocated for. And so my initial reaction in hearing that was like, damn, if somebody took the money that I needed, I literally fed my children with and, you know, part of the subsidized housing program where those funds are allocated to, you know, I, I leaned on that to establish myself and I use it as a stepping stone. Um, But I I was on welfare for a few years, you know, so somebody taking those funds from people thinking of myself, like myself, that needed those, those funds and needed that money to survive and to take care of myself and my kids. It just was very disheartening. Yeah. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? 
head over to amazon.com forward slash prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Um, and so that was my initial reaction. Like, damn, if I wasn't able to get my check because of right. this or, you know, my food stamps because of this, then I would have been deeply affected. Yeah. And I think about, too, when I heard it, my mom, my mom was mm -hmm. on welfare and raised us. She was a single parent and in school, getting her associates and all the way now mm -hmm. she got her master's degree. But she used that to support us yeah. and put us through school and make sure that we have what we needed. So those funds are important for child care, for everything. housing, yes. food, child everything. Is, it's all imperative for, and to, to your point, it's in our communities, you yeah. know, and it's to support our communities. Um, and so that initially I was just, it's just disheartening to $5 million. Yeah. And there's so much that could be done, you know, to help the communities that need it. So yeah, it was just very, it was hard to, to a hard pill to swallow really. Yeah. And to your point, there's just no coverage about it. Yeah. I think I read about it a few times and then you know, it was overshadowed by um, everything else, going everything on else and, you know, everything happening around sports, other, yeah. other sports, other sports, yeah. you know, taking the spotlight from them. So, yeah, my second thought was, I'm not surprised. I know. Right. Yeah. And just imagine how much of that tends to happen that we don't hear about. Yeah. You know, and it was so many politicians involved in this, so many policymakers, pharmaceutical companies. And when black people talk about systematic oppression, mm -hmm. this is an example exactly. of it. So exactly. we're not making this up. There are really, no. you know, things and policies in place that are supposed to help us, but also bad actors that we don't hear about mm -hmm. and other maneuvers that keep us um, oppressed. Yeah, it's a cycle. Yeah. So I definitely wasn't uh, surprised about it. So for the money to go to a volleyball facility, and then I believe he wanted additional funds to open other sports facilities as well. And it was for his daughter, wasn't it? Was yeah. It not? Oh, okay. um, his daughter, but you know, right. Jackson, Mississippi still has dirty water, mm -hmm. like literally right, brown right. water. But his daughter gets a sports facility. Right. It's crazy. Um, you know, there, while I said there's no outcome, for him to say he didn't know what was going on, there's a lot of evidence to show that he did. And it went through a nonprofit, and also some of the funds were earmarked as for speaking engagements and radio bits for him to do, which he never performed. But again, mm. that money is not for that purpose. Right, allocated for a totally different purpose for a totally different community. Yeah. So why do you think stories like this don't stay in the news cycle? Um, I just think that it's not entertaining. I don't want to say entertaining, but I feel like oftentimes certain communities are targeted more as entertaining topics. Yeah. Um, I also feel like it's a responsibility uh, from our cultural standpoint for us to highlight and you amplify our voices yeah. for the causes that we want to matter. It's just like what we did, you know, during the Black Lives Matter movement, yeah. you know, come together and amplify our voices for a cause that we believe in. So I also think that maybe we should stop circulating certain things yeah. amongst our communities right. too, you know, and push an agenda towards the bigger media outlets. 
Right. And so, you know, since you mentioned the Black Lives Matter movement, people have various feelings about it. They don't like how certain money was allocated. Yes, yes. And the movement and bad actors in them have no bearing on the actual stances. Black right. lives actually do matter. Exactly. And so that is a fact, no matter what program, no matter what organization or people who are a part of an organization mm -hmm. are doing, black lives do matter. Right. And that's, at the end of the day, that's all that matters yeah. is that, you know, we continue to push that, um, push that narrative. And overall, I just think anywhere you go, there is going to be a bad apple. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it's hard to weed those out. You can't, you know, consume control over everything. Yeah. And I just think we could use, you know, try to use what we can. Yeah. In the way that we are able to. So as far as the media perspective, I mean, you have bigger media outlets and maybe the analysts or journalists aren't able to really control the topics that they're talking mm -hmm. about. I'm not really sure how, how that piece works, yeah. but I do know from maybe a social standpoint and mm -hmm. things that we're able to control within our culture that maybe we just try to push it in a different direction yeah. or not highlight and cast so much light upon things that you know, are gonna negatively impact our athletes, our yeah. communities, yeah. and our voices. Well, we're doing that here today on Yes, Bob I'm happy to be a part of it. <laughs> so without naming any names, can you think of a time where an athlete who was non-black did something terrible and, and never got out? Oh, well, yeah, working in sports, yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. It seems like only domestic violence cases get out barely right. and maybe drug abuse, but nothing else. And I know there's more crimes and there's more people than us doing that. I mean, anything you see in the media, I mean, you could almost guarantee that it's happening across the board. You know, again, <laughs> we just get, you know, African-American athletes or minority in the minority community. Um, we just have the spotlight. Yeah. We just have the spotlight on certain things, not on the things that would matter to be able to, you know, um, help us grow out of certain situations. Yeah. But definitely when it comes to those type of matters, you can guarantee that we'll have the microphone for that. <laughs> and have you noticed with both, you know, let's say any athlete, despite race, um, acting badly, who have done similar I guess, let's say crimes or bad behavior. Has there been any difference in how they were um, penalized for reacting the same way? Uh, I, there's been cases where I believe so, and just, you know, personal belief. But yes, if you want to compare apples to apples of somebody committing or not committing or doing something similar mm -hmm. um, that people find, you know, in poor taste, then yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, there tends to be, I hate to say it, but they'll use certain celebrities or yeah. to, to make an example out of them. Yeah. You know, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Celebrities, athletes, and I think we are all having a celebrity come to mind. We won't talk about it right mm -hmm. now because I've been <laughs> talking about it for too long. But one thing that sparked, that you said that sparked a memory for me is uh, when athletes go off on fans. And I know black athletes are not the only ones going off on fans, but even if they are, 
the things that some of these fans say are crazy wow. and and to the black athletes in particular because i sit courtside when i go right. to the games and the stuff that they be saying i want to haul off and hit exactly. these motherfuckers in the stand so this is a thing so touche okay and now that <laughs> i work on the team level i could you know i'll jump in with you girl but this is the thing that that um i've learned especially working so closely with the team is that, you know, at the end of the day, while they're athletes and superstars and, you know, they, they're on the court or on the field to entertain us, they're people and they're human at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that we oftentimes dehumanize them or fans, you know, dehumanize them. And they're saying these things and they talk about their kids, they're heckling them about their children. It's just, it's off limits, yeah. you know? And so then when the athlete reacts, it kind of turns the attention towards, oh, this athlete yeah. reacted to a fan and the fan is more victimized, right. you know? But at the end of the day, they're human. Um, they're sons, husbands, fathers, yeah. you know? And so we have to remember that they are humans with emotion. Right. And as a mother, I wouldn't take kindly to anybody saying shit about my kids, Yeah. you know? So I'm gonna haul off and react too, Yeah. you know? But just because they're on the court and they're in a certain spotlight at the end of the day, they are people and we need to be mindful of that. And I don't think that, you know, you come to a game and you wanna see your team win. Yeah. So they start naturally talking shit, but you know, I'm all for athletes standing up for themselves and standing up for their families. So I, I know that this is probably a high level thing. Why are they penalized then? Do the the backboard people not feel like they're human? It's just a code of conduct that has to be, you know, obtained across the board. Okay. Just a lead code of conduct. Um, but as far as like controlling the public, I'm just not sure how you would be able to do that. There is also a fan code of conduct. Okay. That so, we don't read yeah, when we buy so, those tickets, exactly. right? Exactly. Sometimes sitting in your seat, it's the paper you move out the way. Um, so there is a fan code of conduct. And, you know, that's when you see fans escorted out of the game. Now what happens after that, I'm not really sure, mm -hmm. you know, what action is taken. But there is a code of conduct on both sides. Okay, that's yeah. good. Well, I think if... A athlete is defending themselves based off something that somebody said particularly because sometimes they be getting called niggas monkeys yeah. all of that in the stands if that is what was said they uh number one if they have the athlete has to pay the fine then the fan needs to split that fine or pay it in whole because right. it has to be some type of penalty right. other than solely getting escorted out or being banned from the game or even that yeah. close. I mean, obviously you said you don't know exactly what it right. is. Right, yeah, but I'm not sure. Hurt people pockets and then they go stop exactly. talking. Exactly, that part. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right, so let's lighten this up a little bit. Okay. All right, um, you've worked with athletes for some time. So far, how has been your experience as a black woman in sports? It's great, actually. I mean, and there's a lot of women emerging into this on the sports scene or from behind the scenes, actually, and coming more in the forefront. I mean, you have referees, you have executives, you have journalists, analysts, you know. So as a woman in sports in general, I mean, it, it's a lot of representation. And I will say that in basketball, there is a lot of um, black women okay. representation, yes. Mm -hmm on the league side, um, on the players association side. So it is, it is good to see that um, women are taking more prominent roles 
in the sports world. It's a male dominated, right. you know, yeah. it's a male dominated, uh, sports is male dominated, period. Right. But um, my experience has been great. There are a lot of women in the sport and again, emerging to the forefront and st- leading the ship. So it's a lot of women that you see now steering the ship. So um, it's been helpful in my career, Yeah, you know, to be able to look up and see like, okay, there is, um, you know, a black executive. There is, mm-hmm. I want to say someone just recently got appointed to assistant GM. Um, oh, wow. If I'm not mistaken, she came from the league side. So, you know, it's happening. And, you know, we do have trailblazers in the sport. So it's it's very motivating to see. Yeah, and I'm happy to hear that because, obviously, women love sports, too. Mm -hmm. We work in it. We go to the games. Uh, What percentage, at least in the companies that you've worked at, that you've seen black women? And I ask that because most of the players are black, but behind the scenes. So... It's not the percentage that we would like to see. Okay. <laughs> In most industries, It's not yes. the percentage that we would like to see. Um, but that's why I felt like I played a very key role um, in the organizations that I was with because I was able to take that stance as a black woman. The athletes, especially in basketball, are predominantly African-American um, and we're able to relate, relate, sorry, we're able to relate culturally um, Oftentimes, I'm not going to say a lot of them, I don't really know the the correct percentages, but a lot of them come from a single family household or a single mother household. And so, you know, we're able to relate in that way. And so outside of like your skill set and your work ethic, which also plays a huge part, connecting to them and being, you know, um, that person that they come to trust, especially when there aren't a lot of people that look like them working in the organization that becomes, you know, invaluable actually. So, you know, makes a a huge difference. I've come to see that it it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And so when I asked you the rapid fire question between Westbrook and LeBron is because I read a little bit about your work with Westbrook and Mm -hmm. the relationship and how your role and the player engagement was so important in Mm -hmm. community and developing those programs. Yes. What was that experience like? It was it was awesome for me because, again, it's just something that matters to me personally. And so to be able to work with, you know, work with your um, biggest athletes, your your most well-known athletes, not only to work with them, but to get to know them, you know, establish that that trust and then to be able to help them in other ways off of the court you know, was not only fulfilling to me, but for them and to find ways for me to help them build outside of the, you know, off of the court. It's almost like, you know, you have um, taglines or, you know, things like more than the athlete. And yes. they are. Yeah. And so those are the things that I enjoyed highlighting. Right. Like, how am I able to be helpful or beneficial off of the court. I'm not a coach. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not in medical, so I can't help in those areas, but I can add value in other areas. And so that's what I focused on. So it's just great to be able to build that bond and that relationship with the guys and see which ways I can pour back into them. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think you just answered this question, but I'll ask it just in case okay. I'm assuming the answer. What has been your favorite part of your career in sports? That, that yeah, 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 definitely yeah, that. Um, that was more on the basketball side. On the Dodgers side, I was in more of a community-based um, role, and I was able to establish a program that actually impacted youth and families directly. Okay. Uh, and so that was, again, just very fulfilling. And that just comes from 
my own journey of being a, a young single mom, a teen mom, and not having the resources to take my kids to sporting events. And so if I would have had the likeness of a program that I was actually able to develop for the Dodgers, then I would have been able to take my kids to yeah. a baseball game. Yeah. You know, so doing those things that help the organization, but that are also personally fulfilling to me is what makes me enjoy working in sports, just having an impact, being able to have an impact. So you just mentioned taking your kids to game or games or not being able to take them when uh, they were young. And I'm just recalling being at games and I don't see any young black kids mm-hmm. at those premium seats getting those shoes from mm-hmm. the athletes off of their feet. How can we make more of that happen? I mean, I took my nephew who's 13 to his first game. He sat courtside with me. Extremely cool. overwhelming. Yeah. He enjoyed it, but trying to be cool at 13. Right, right. But I would have loved to see him there at 7 or 8 when there's some programs or, you know, tech people not throwing the money yeah. to get their kids there. See, that's well, that's exactly it. It's in the development of programs and programming to, you know, and for the team to be willing to curate initiatives that impact, you know, the youth in that way. Right. And... Um, that's again. I was able to do with the with, do that with the Dodgers. Yeah. My Lakers role was um, largely different. I wasn't on the community side, but yes, it, it boils down to programs and initiatives. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, is it would it be as simple as maybe people in the community reaching out to the teams or the community person on that team to ask for these type of assistance, write the players or something. Yeah, the community the community person on the team level should be able to help with that. And there are certain certain programs like um off the top, like make a wish, which that's more towards yeah. medical conditions. But you know, there are outside programs that exist, but yes, it it can happen from the team level on the community side for sure. All right, so yeah. y'all reach out to the community <laughs> person yes, and your state your basketball person. team. Yes. Try to get these black kids at some games. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, because even I wanted some shoes. All I did too. Players. Can't fit them. They're big, but it's just cool to have, yeah. you know. And it just it makes the experience that much more memorable. Yeah. Like you'll never forget that. Never, never. I went and sat courtside. That's memorable. That's shit. You a good aunt. I need I to know. set mine up. See, I hope my niece doesn't watch this. Now I'm going to have to do a course I see. Can you tell him that I'm a good aunt? You, are, you got a good aunt, <laughs> Thank okay? You. Um, but yes, just making those memories, that's just, that's incredible to be able to do. Um, yeah. But from a community perspective, mm-hmm. I know things do exist. I'm not sure in what capacity, yeah. but we can definitely push that a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I'm for it. Let's get some yeah. of our kids I'm out there. And, and then let them know that there's jobs and Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Careers in sports outside of being on the court. Absolutely. So I love when I have the opportunity to do so. um, Now in my new role, I do have less travel, so that's great. But going out and speaking to, you know, young women, speaking to the youth, just letting them know of the careers that are available in sports. Because honestly, before I got into it, I didn't know. Yeah. You don't hear about certain roles that exist behind the scene. 
Um, so it was a lot I learned actually, you know, just being a part of the sports community. Yeah. There's a lot available that is outside of being the actual athlete, right. a coach or a trainer. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's a, a big engine that makes all of that that you see on the court. Yeah. Uh, operate. Yeah, absolutely. It's so a whole squad of people. What advice would you give to um, any person or particularly women who want to be in sports? I would say to do the research and find a mentor or someone in the sports community, sports industry that can help you along the way. Again, I didn't I didn't really have one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you meet colleagues and and women along the way that you connect with yeah. and that you try to stay connected with. Um, but emerging into sports, I kind of just landed there, yeah. thankfully. So, you know, my path took a different um you know, I took a different path yeah. and, you know, thankful, but it all boils down to my resources. Yes. And it started with my work ethic, which yeah. is why I was able to continue to grow into these different positions. It was because not necessarily that I had, um, you know, a wealth of experience in these areas. It was just because I had a strong work ethic and I always proved myself. So it starts there. <laughs> work it ethic is so there. important. <laughs> and then, you know, you connect with somebody or, or be a part of a community mm-hmm. of women that are in that industry and that can help you, you know, push you along the way. Yeah. And one thing I like to tell people is if you have an interest in something and don't really know how to do it or to get into it, go to that team website, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. and look at their look careers at their, page yep. and just see what the jobs they have and what people are doing. You might find something that's interesting exactly. to you that sparks your creativity. And there's a lot of sports teams do have internship programs, yeah. maybe not necessarily in the department or the space that you may want to be in. Yeah. But if you get in, I always say, and I always say this, and I, I didn't, I never did an internship, <laughs> but that's because I had mouths to feed. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that's helpful because you're able yep. to get in and then you could see all the inner workings and operations of where yeah. you are. And then you're able to figure out what you like, what you don't like, yep. what areas you might want to, and then you could connect Absolutely. and network within, yeah. you know, and move around that way too. So internships are great. I mean, that's how I started my career. So oh, really? That that's awesome. I wish I would have done some internships. Well, now in your I needed new that role, coin though, girl. Internships, <laughs> man. Tell me about the coin. Um, so, while you're not a professional athlete, you are a black woman in sports. What uh, was your first reaction when you heard about Brittany Griner? I mean, I just again, I'm also a very emotional person, <laughs> yeah. so I think my first reaction is always like, it was disheartening. I just didn't. I just didn't think it was that big of a issue for her to be, yeah. you know, for the result to be what it what is. It I is, mean, yeah. she's obviously in a different country. We have to respect their rules and their laws and yeah. abide by that. But, um, you know, again, it just, I feel like it just boils down to who and what she is, yeah. you know? And I think that, again, we go back to the making an example of, yep. you know, and it's just really unfortunate, you know, I feel for her and her family. I yeah. think she just recently got I'm married, married yeah, right? Yeah. And, you know, again, it's just, it's disheartening, but it's also hard to know that there's not much you can do because she's also in another country, right. you know? And so, Russia, of and all Russia, places. I know. 
And and no shade to Russia, maybe a little bit. <laughs> but I was going to study abroad in um, Italy a few years ago, and I took a Russian airline. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. The people were just mean. Really? And. And then, you know, I had a long layover in the airport about 11 hours mm -hmm. and I thought, maybe I'll go explore, I'm young. And as I was walking out, I'm just not getting good vibes. Right. I just decided to sit my ass right. in the Stay airport right and I'm safe, like, let right? me wait to get on my connecting flight. Right. But while I was sitting there for those 11 hours, it was just very unpleasant. The things that men were saying, very sexual. Mm -hmm. I'm like 22 years old yeah. and I'm just like, Lord, let me please get through this. I will never come back. Yeah, I've never been. You, no, I've never been. <laughs> I've never been, but definitely the cultural difference. Yeah. You know, and I just can't imagine, like, not only her emotions, but just, yeah. you know, what she's experiencing over there. Yeah. And then we just, I, we don't hear about it. Right. So every time I see photos of Brittany that come out, I just say a prayer for her and I'm like, I just hope you okay. I mean, black women always have to be strong and we shouldn't have to be, but exactly. I, my heart breaks for her every time I it see really her. It really does. And really her mental state. Right. And we don't, like you said, we don't imagine. know yeah. what that prison looks like. And just, you know, how she being treated versus, yeah. you know, be, as being an American. Yeah, yeah. There, so. I did smile. One photo I saw her, she had on her marathon sweatsuit. I'm like, all right, okay. all right. Shout out to Nipsey. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, the sentencing of nine years and the no appeal on it, like when you heard that they denied the appeals and she really has to serve this nine year sentence, uh, what was that thought? My first thought was like, why? What is this really about, mm -hmm. you know? And then with the nine year with no appeal, it's also, I know here, if you get sentenced and you could kind of do half the time or, you know, you're eligible for good behavior, yeah. you're able to shave your time down. And then it's just like, is that opportunity available to her as mm -hmm. well? It's just nine years is a lot. I mean, I, I could imagine for, I doing one day in jail. <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to process that. Process that. I can't imagine spending one day in jail. I'm so scared. I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna be like, I'm, I'm definitely so sorry. crying. <laughs> I'm definitely crying. Up. Yeah. And to think she just, you know, she went over there to play, which means she went over there to make money in the off season. Yeah. You know, to feed her family. So right. again, it just goes back to that resource now being cut off. And then I wonder what the uh, Russian basketball team is doing for her and to support oh, right, her because right. we don't hear about that at all. Right, and absolutely. So stand up for her. She yeah. was coming to play for y'all. Exactly. Uh, I do appreciate though at the opening night ring ceremony for the Warriors, mm -hmm. uh, Steph, you know, publicly acknowledged her yes. and said his prayers for her. So I know people are trying to do what they can, but it seems that it's a yeah, higher level. Yeah, the athletes level. took a good, I mean, I felt like they definitely showed an outpour of support for her mm -hmm. um, and used their platform and their voices to, you know, support Brittany. Yeah. Um, so that was really beautiful to see. And if she was a male athlete in the NBA, do you think more would be done for her? Probably so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too, which is unfortunate. She probably wouldn't be over there at all, would have paid the fine and been home. Probably not. 
Yeah. So for me, it's like, I mean, our people shouldn't go back over there to play. Black or white, maybe right. Americans in general, because it's just, one, you never know what's going to happen. And then this crime or crime, because obviously there were That's other people as, right. who have been, um, who had drugs on them and then they just paid fines. But, you know, you're not safe on other soil. Right. Yeah. So we talked about Brett and we talked about Brittany and how these two cases directly impact the black community. And mm -hmm. while it is not in a negative way, it's very important that we used our voices that you kept saying mm -hmm. to shine light on this. I think that's important. Yeah. And most importantly, I'm happy that you use your voice and your experience and talked about being a woman in sports to let people know there is more that you can do. There are oh, opportunities yeah. that they do not know about and they have a great example in you to Thank see you. what there is to do. Thank you. Yeah, there is a, a lot that could be done in sports and it goes beyond the sport. It goes beyond the court. It goes beyond the field. Um, and so there's a lot that we could use a sports platform platform for to be able to give back to the community and pour into the community and grow the community. Um, what I'm doing now with Magic Johnson Enterprises in my new business role is um, we're veering off into the te technology space. And our mission there is to, again, educate the community as we take on a new role in Web3, in the Web3 yeah. technology space, which is new to us all. Right. Um, so educating in, in that space and then using that to close the wealth gap in our community. So yes. that is my new mission. <laughs> yes, an important mission yes, because this wealth gap, Web3, our, us knowing about technology, exactly. extremely important. So you got a lot of work to do. I have a whole lot of work to do. So <laughs> we'll come back and talk about that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. So the three takeaways for my discussion with Desiree is number one, media coverage about black athletes tend to be more negative. The second takeaway, despite one's professional stature or notoriety, one may still be subjected to unfair sentencing or financial penalties for bad behavior. The third takeaway is that black people, rich or poor, athlete or layperson, we need love too and equal Absolutely. justice too. Yes. So Desiree, let us know what's up next for you. You talked about career, any brands you're working on, uh, things you want to do, your wish list. Yes. So, um, you know, mentioned the technology piece that I'm working on from a corporate career perspective. I also have a jewelry line called Love and Mercy, which was okay. inspired by my personal journey, um, just curating pieces that again, I make me feel confident, sexy, something that I wish that I yeah. had at the time. Um, you know, going into work and, you know, needing to kind of just pop my attire, yeah. you know, or going to an event after work and needing something to just kind of give me a little flair that's at a immediate, immediate um, moderate price point. Yes. Um, so started that line, uh, you know, inspired by that need or having that need and wanting to use that to um, give back in a way to yeah. somebody that may be in a similar situation. So I have that in... Um, Goals for myself is just to be able to um, 
speak about, you know, career opportunities more, engage in more uh, community-based programs with maybe speaking on more panels or mentorship programs yeah. or something of that nature to just, again, I'm really big on using the platforms that I've been blessed with and the voice that I have with my in, and my experiences to be able to help the next person. So I'm really big on paying it forward. All right, so I might have some needs for you as well. Okay, well. I All right, play. so where can people, uh, one, buy your jewelry line, and two, reach out to you if they want any advice, want just to talk, anything, they need job opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. So the jewelry line is, again, called Love and Mercy, all spelled out. And again, it's, you know, God's love and mercy on my life is why I wanted my to name my brand that, um, made sure that it had purpose and meaning that resonated with me and you could just apply that in whichever way, yes. you know, it applies to you, faith-based, relationship-based, whatever, whatever that means to you. Um, but it's uh, loveandmercy.com. I'm sorry, forloveandmercy.com. Uh, so that's where that can be found as well as on Instagram. And I think right now the best way to reach me is also maybe via DM. Uh, Y'all trying to slide I'm a social ideas. DMs, okay? <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I'm on Instagram and um, again via the website. So, all right, thank yeah. you so much well, for thank joining you for having my me. podcast. Thank I'm so you. excited, and I love that we have the same name. Isn't that cool? You have um, an accent over here. I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Pop Wall Podcast. Tap in at Instagram for Pop Wall Podcast. Our website, popwallpodcast.com. Subscribe to Pop Wall Podcast YouTube channel. And all episodes are available via audio on Revolt Podcast Network. I'm your host, Desiree. And please remember, I am still not your attorney. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.